0: Welcome to Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com, a place to talk about the experiences that we call life. We'll share the sorrow and the joy that makes this earthy existence real and makes us who we are. Now, here's your host, Renee Steelman. Good morning. Good morning, everyone, and Merry Christmas to everyone, and Happy Hanukkah. Hanukkah has just completed, and I hope you all had a wonderful holiday with your families. And We have Christmas coming up in about, what, 10 days, 11 days, so the uh, holidays are all approaching, and soon it will be the new year, and I think that uh, today's show is going to be a wonderful show for you to listen to as we approach a new year, because we definitely are going to have a lot of things to think about and you know a lot of people are really into resolutions i personally am not i decided long ago that when you make new year's resolutions you kind of set yourself up for failure so i i like to think of it in a different way and try to be grateful the entire year for for things that I have and try to make changes throughout the year and not save everything up for January. But anyway, I hope you're all, you know, having a wonderful celebration with your family. Um, as far as my family is concerned, we have lots of birthdays in December and lots of things going on. So we've had a lot of chance to get together with each other and enjoy each other's company even before Christmas and Christmas Eve. But anyway, so I'm glad that you're joining me today. Normally, I start out my show and I annoyingly tell you how all how beautiful the weather is out here in the Pacific Northwest but i have to say as much as i love living in the Pacific Northwest and i i will i will say that i probably don't want to live anywhere else not even in arizona or hawaii or any place else that's getting some beautiful sunshine but this has been a very rainy winter and we don't, winter hasn't even started yet. It's still fall and we have had a lot of rain here and it's not the normal northwest rain. It's the annoying really you're going to get wet type of rain. And I have to say I'm kind of getting a little tired of it and along with all of the rain, the sky is gray and it's very dark and you wake up and, and, you know, at noon you feel like it's 5.30 at night and you want to go to bed. But, um, I'm just going to be quiet because I know that's something that, you know, we should be grateful. I'm sure there's a lot of places in California and other parts of the world that wish they had the rain. So. Oh, remind myself, we need to be grateful, but it is a rainy, cloudy, gray day today, but it's all right. It's still beautiful. It's green, right? That's what makes the Pacific Northwest beautiful and green is, is all of this lovely rain. But let me introduce you to my guest today. My guest is an amazing young woman and I got to know her a little bit through my daughter. My daughter and she are about the same age and they hang in, in a lot of the same crowds. And I want to tell you a little bit about Megan. Megan is a 31-year-old young mom. She has four children. Her oldest is 10. Her youngest is only three. Um, her and her husband have just celebrated their 12, 12th year wedding anniversary. And I don't remember if it was before or after celebrating their anniversary. Megan was volunteering at her church. She was working with a group of young women, ages 12 to 18, as she does every week, twice a week, actually, uh, volunteering and doing lots of things with these young girls. And they decided that they were going to do a fun activity. And so they decided that they would go rock climbing. So her and all of these young women and some of the other leaders went to a place called the Mount Hood Adventure Park. And when she was repelling, doing her rock climbing, Her safety failed, and she actually fell 25 feet. She broke her back, her sternum, both her ankles, both her feet, and cracked her teeth. Now, you can imagine a young mom. I will ask Megan, but I'm sure one of her first thoughts was to her husband and her children. And, and you know, oftentimes we hear... You never know, you know, say I love you to your your loved ones and be grateful for today and, and you never know in an instant how your life can change and I'm sure that probably flashed through Megan's mind. But she is my guest today and I'm going to have Megan tell her story and we're just going to talk about what the last four months have been like for her and her family. So Megan, thanks for joining me this morning. Thank you for having me. Well, I'm really excited to talk with you because I've heard your story through my daughter, um, but absolutely was devastated when I heard the news. I, I just could not imagine uh, a young mom with four small children um, having such a catastrophic injury. So tell us a little bit about what happened that day in August.
1: So, um, you know, like you said, we decided to go rock wall climbing, And um, I and another leader decided to go first, and and all the other kids were kind of off doing some other things that were at the Adventure Park. And it was just a hot 85-degree summer day, and we lined up, and a young man, probably in his early 20s, was harnessing me. And he harnessed me and said, climb up as high as you like to climb, as high as you're comfortable. And when you're ready, you can just kind of push off the wall and let go. And the belay was an automatic belay. And it would just catch me and slowly bring me back down. So I climbed up almost to the top and I thought, okay, I'm, I'm high enough. I don't want to go any higher. And I wanted to come back down. And I had the thought of I really don't want to let go. Like I was scared to let go. So I, I started to kind of climb my way back down. And the young man below me was saying, "No, don't don't climb back down, just let go, let go. It'll catch you. You'll be fine." And so I kind of barely pushed off the wall and let go. And the next thing I knew was just confusion. I just remember seeing everything kind of flash before my eyes and I remember thinking, "I think I'm falling. I don't know what's happening. I'm going to hit. I'm going to hit." And the next thing within seconds, I had um The gravel was below me and kind of hit on my feet and then fell onto my back. And I lost consciousness for just a few seconds. But when I woke up, I remember thinking, am I dreaming? This must be a dream. And a woman was kneeling over me saying, I'm a nurse. I just happen to be standing here, take deep breaths. And I was kind of hyperventilating and I couldn't catch my breath. And um, it was hard for me to breathe, and and then that's just kind of when it all started. Everything started getting busy. They were calling ski patrol to come, and um, people started gathering around. And my friend, who was standing there, I almost fell on her. Um, was kind of sh- getting our young woman away so they wouldn't see what was happening. And they actually all gathered around in a circle and said a prayer for me because they could see how much pain I was in and prayed that I could, you know, be helped and be lifted up and be able to withstand the pain I was going through. Um, I laid there for about 40 minutes while ski patrol was deciding what to do. They'd already called the ambulance, but it was going to take a while to get to me. Um, They decided to move me. So they put a a neck brace on me, and they pulled me back away from the wall, and then they rolled me onto a board. That was excruciating. The whole time I was just asking, I need pain medicine, pain medicine. Please give me some pain medicine. And they kept saying, we're not allowed. We don't have anything like that. You have to wait for the ambulance. And I just kept begging because I I knew laying there that I'd probably broken my back. My back was in excruciating Uh pain. My feet were in excruciating pain and I, I just, I was kind of in shock and disbelief that this had really happened. Yeah. After about 40 minutes, they they moved me, they, they put me onto a board and put me on the back of a truck and moved me into the ski patrol little building and I laid there for another 40 minutes with no help, <sighs> just asking over and over again for the ambulance, when is it going to get there? They said it was in traffic and there was construction coming <sighs> up the mountain and it was So after an hour and 20 minutes of laying there, and I'd broken my back in three places and my Mm -hmm. sternum, and then, like you said, my feet, um, they finally arrived, and I was just, please give me some drugs. And they they gave me morphine and loaded me onto the ambulance, and I drove back to the hospital an hour it took. So we went to a level one trauma center, And um, that's where I was taken. I After that, everything kind of gets groggy. My husband was in Canada at the time on a business trip. And within minutes of my fall, I was already asking my friend, get my phone out of my pocket, call my husband, let him know what's happened, call my sister-in-law who had my children, and I was supposed to pick them back up after the activity. Let her know what's happening. My brother was going to meet me up at the hospital uh, my husband drove to Vancouver, B.C., and immediately, he didn't know the full, we didn't know really all of my injuries. He kind of thought, right. okay, she fell, but it's not that bad. So he drove the five hours back and got in around midnight or 1 o'clock later that night.
0: Wow. Um, yeah, so I, I but- in the hospital, oh, sorry, go no, I was just going to say, but isn't that amazing that, you know, you, you you in the amount of pain that you must have been in and that still your first thought was contact my husband, let my sister-in-law know that I'm not going to be there, tell my you know, you're already, you're all, you're taking care of other people at the same time. You're making sure your children are taken care of. I can't even imagine. I don't even think you could probably put into words the amount of pain that you must have been in. Um, and I'm surprised that you weren't, Uh, that you were even still conscious, you know, that that you were even conscious enough to do that.
1: I honestly wanted to be unconscious. I kept saying, Oh, if I could just pass out again, if I could just pass out and not feel this pain, I was squeezing onto my friend's hand. She said I was squeezing her hand so tight. She was, you know, her hand was starting to go numb because I was squeezing it so hard. I was in so much pain. But I was, my first reaction was, okay, I got to let my husband know, I got to let my sister know, like, you know, just kind of going down the mom order of, okay, what can I, and he right. get these things done, um, and at the, you know, I was just trying to get everything prepared. At the hospital, Um, you know, things were very busy and happening, and I was in an MRI, and then I was in x-rays, and, and a lot of that I, is very groggy for me. I don't remember a lot of things.
0: Right, right. Because you with, were, with you them, at that time, they were giving you medication, so.
1: Yes, they were giving me morphine. I was so grateful to not be feeling the pain. Right. And um, I just remember waking up that next day and then telling me I'm going into surgery to fix my back, and that I had... <sighs> Broken it in three places, but one in particular had burst. It had literally my vertebrae had just been crunched down. And um, at the time, they'd asked me if I could wiggle my toes, and I could just barely wiggle my toes, but I really couldn't move anything else besides my arms and my neck. Mm. Um, and so they went in and did surgery, and they put two rods and eight screws into my back to basically fix and mobilize that break it had put the vertebrae pushed into my spinal column where all your nerves are and they pulled it back out and tried getting all the little fragments of bone that had been shattered through the burst vertebrae and pulled all those little bones out and tried fixing it as best they could um, and they did a an emergency surgery on my heel that had been displaced, and so they put oh. pins in to kind of place it back, kind of where it should be, but to kind of hold it until they could do surgery on my feet. Um, so I spent the next five days in ICU. I had blood around my heart and blood in my kidney, and mm. I was having a hard time breathing. So anytime. They would take me off oxygen. My pulse oxygen level would drop really low. And so I was in the ICU for those five days trying to get my lungs. And, you know, I think I had just the trauma of hitting had just kind of mm-hmm. messed up some of my internal stuff and organs. And they were, they were just a little trauma. So
0: I was in the right. ICU for those first five days. Um, Probably pretty, pretty uh, anesthetized. And while you were in ICU, just barely coming coming into consciousness and then going back out? Yeah. Or how much yeah. did they keep you pretty I, sedated? Okay.
1: I, I was awake. I was aware of what was going on, but I was very groggy. I was on a lot of pain medicine, so I was sleeping a lot. I, I could wake up and I could eat a little bit here and there, so I was aware of what was going on, but I was just very, right. um, very heavily medicated, so I was very groggy. Right. Um, It wasn't until two weeks after my accident, and I had been moved down to a different trauma floor after I'd kind of had those first five days of being in the ICU, that I had another surgery. And um, it was to fix both of my feet. I needed rods, or not rods, plates and screws put into both of my ankles and heel. And that was a six-hour surgery to fix both of my feet. Um, And then they told me for 10 weeks, a minimum, I would not be able to put any weight on my feet. And they informed me I would have to wear a back brace for 12 weeks with my back. So that meant that I would be in a wheelchair for at least three months right um unable to walk or to put my feet down so that immediately started thinking okay how am i going to do this and be a mom and i'm away from my children and you know we had Well to and plan
0: how in Tell us how you did do that because like okay very a per- perfect example you did this in August you've got school starting first of September all the all the list yes. of back to school things that are going on and i'm sure that your home is probably not wheelchair accessible um no. you know i you probably have a two-story house and you know yeah how did you what what kind of modifications did you have to make so my parents moved in with
1: us was the first thing was i my husband was with me as much as he could be his work said take care of your family don't worry about work which oh, was amazing so great my yeah. parents moved in with us and because I'm a stay-at-home mom. I'd never been more than two days away from my children, and that was because I was having other children. i <laughs> yes. never left my yeah. kids before, ever. So I was kind of ripped away from them in their normal life. And so my parents stepped in to kind of be that stability. Right. And I missed my 5-year-old going into her first day of kindergarten. I was so sad. I missed meeting my kids' teachers. Um, but, you know, my parents and my husband stepped up to really be the constant my children needed. Right. Um, we had wonderful friends in our community and in our church that made me a ramp that when I would be home, I could wheel into our home. Um, I had a hosp- Somebody gave us in our church a hospital bed. That we put downstairs in our family room and kind of moved around furniture so that I could have a bed downstairs. And then we had people donate, um, like I needed something to help me in the bathroom, a, a raise up a toilet seat and a bench to sit on in the shower. We had people donate that to us.
0: Wow. Um, and
1: we just had a lot of help, a lot of people willing to take my kids and to have play groups and play dates and it's a lot of
0: community, a lot of church help. That's amazing. Well, from and from the very beginning, were the doctors giving you any kind of forecast as to what they thought your future held, or were they being very, you know, uh, cautious to give you any kind of, you know, it, forecast of what the outcome would be?
1: It wasn't until about the first or second week in the hospital that I realized um, some other issues were happening. You know, they had said, "Yes, you can. You'll you'll probably be able to walk because I could move my toes." And they thought, "Okay, you're not paralyzed. You'll be able to walk." So that was that was good news. So grateful yeah. for that. And I was so grateful. Um, they thought my back would heal and I would heal from my injuries, but we started to realize that I had no feeling in my saddle area and my leg, ah. and oh. they said, you know, we think you have something called saddle paralysis, where I was unable to control my bowel or bladder, and I had, I had no feeling, no sensation, no nothing, and then it was only down the back of both of my legs, um, <sighs> completely down the backs of my legs, and my feet are numb. I can feel them, but they're just numb, as though you've been to the dentist and your face is numb. And you can see right. you're touching it, um, and so that that we realized was another cause of me breaking my back. That I had damaged oh. some nerves, and um, that I did not have full function of all of my muscles. And so that has probably been emotionally and physically the hardest part of. Um, my my injury um, is, right. is having the paralysis because it's one of those things where the, there's nothing the doctors or anybody can do to get that back. It either will or it won't. And it's just something only time will tell.
0: Okay. So, so you've I'm gone through... Kind
1: of in... Go ahead. As I was going to say, I'm still kind of in limbo. I still have the same... The same problems, I'm just learning to live with it.
0: So after your back surgery then, and when they put the rods and the screws in, that's complete. They're not going to do any more with that. That's They're done with the, that surgery, or is that mm-hmm. something that they're going to have to go back and address?
1: They will go back and address it in the summertime, and they will remove those rods and screws. So I will have to have surgery again. And I did have surgery... Three weeks ago, on on my one on one of my feet, they'd made it so that I couldn't move my foot side to side. I crushed oh. a bunch of bones in my in my ankle, and so they fixed it through raw through plates and screws. And then they needed to remove that after the ten weeks to see if I could move my foot again and have that mobility. So three ah. weeks ago, I had surgery, and they removed um, a, a plate and five screws out of I still have a plate and three screws in that in my right foot that will stay forever and a plate oh. in my left heel that will stay forever but um but but so I have one more surgery all in all, I've had five surgeries, and I have one more surgery to complete I I stayed in the hospital, the first hospital, for three weeks. And my children did come up and see me at first. You know, they were really timid and scared and they cried a lot. And and I was so worried about them. And then it came to the point where they said, okay, we want to put you to a rehab facility. So they moved me to another hospital that had a rehabilitation center on it. And I was there for two weeks. And that is when... In the hospital, the first three weeks, I literally laid in a bed. I couldn't move myself. I would have to be turned from side to side and on my back so that I didn't get bed sores. And somebody did everything for me. I was unable to do anything, really. Um, And then when I went to the rehabilitation center, they started saying, okay, we need to get you ready so that you can go live at home and be safe and be able to somewhat take care of yourself. So they started teaching me how to, they call it transfer board. So they give you this flat board that you can transfer from a bed to your wheelchair or a chair to your wheelchair or the, the toilet to your wheelchair. Um, and they started teaching me, um, you know, once you have any sort of paralysis, they bowel and bladder train you. And... Ah. Um, You know, all of these things that you never think about, people that have any sort of paralysis, there's so many aspects, or being in a wheelchair, there's so many aspects of things that you don't think of. So that was those two weeks where they did intense physical therapy, um, trying to get me to just strengthen after laying in bed and having all these surgeries, and my muscles were so weak. And they just hadn't been used for so long that they were trying to do exercises as much as possible of what I could do. And, and it was just, it, was, it ended up being five weeks I was away from my family and away from my home.
0: Wow. Which and that was, must have been, I mean, as much as the, the physical therapy is important and obviously necessary, was it, I've heard that it's painful. Like you say, your muscles start to atrophy, and and you know, was it was it just was it hard? Was it really hard? That those two weeks in rehab. Yes, it was very physically
1: draining, emotionally draining. You know, throughout the whole process, I was I was trying to be happy, trying to be positive for my kids. But I did have those days where I was just so tired from the physical therapy or just so tired of the situation of not being able to do things that I used to be able to. Right. And, you know, I had those days where I just thought, why? Why did this happen? Why am I going through this? Why? You know, I'm 31. You know, how am I going to live the rest of my life? You know, if I am have this, this it's called Caudi. It ended up being I have Caudi Quina syndrome. So, it's where there's certain nerves in your back are damaged, and then you have this paralysis, which is in the saddle area down the backs of your legs and your feet. And, huh. you know, I just, I just, oh, the, I would just think, why did this happen to me? But then I would try to remember why I was so blessed. Like, it could have been so much worse. And right. I really feel like falling on my feet was such a blessing because I could have fallen on my head or on the side. On my side, or another way that could have been even worse, more severe injuries, or I could right. be paralyzed permanently, you right. know, from the weight right. down. So I was just trying to count my blessings every day, you know, and just be grateful because I was in a hospital or in the rehabilitation center with other patients who ha- who were in worse accidents.
0: Oh. You know and
1: and so I looked at them and I thought I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. Right. I really
0: feel like I was so blessed and I was protected that day. Right. From a world And you know injury. that that's such an interesting concept because I remember reading an article and and it was it actually kind of surprised me because I've never heard this before. But this person said it, they were they were obviously a little bit um sour that day when they wrote the article and it was all about how someone they said I wish people would stop saying to me it could have been worse it could have been worse and I remember thinking but I think that's human nature that that's part of counting your blessings is realizing that things could be worse and that even in that whatever your trial is You've got it, you accept it, and you go with it, and then you look at other trials and you think, well, I can accept my trial, but I don't think I could, I could do what you're going through. And somehow, naturally, that brings you peace. And so it, it was a very confusing article that I read because it made me, you know, I want to be sympathetic and I want to be kind. So when she, when she wrote this article, I thought, oh, am I not being kind by, Looking at my situation and going, well, yes, I have this, but at least I don't have that. Is that, is that not being kind? You know, and so it confused me, but I do think that's a human reaction to realize, as you say, you could have fallen flat on your back and, you know, yeah. been injured like Steve, you know, the, the Steve Reeves was, is, was injured and, and it could have been worse. And you have to look at everything and find the, the rose colored glasses and the positive, points otherwise how do you I, I I don't even know how you count your blessings if you don't say I'm grateful that it wasn't this or it wasn't that it is what it is I don't know so I'm glad to hear you say that too because I do think it's kind of a natural reaction for people to when they are trying to be happy and they are trying to be positive to think it could have been worse it could have been worse and um, yeah. but I'm sure that other people maybe how do you now so you so you're able now four months later, which doesn't sound like a lot, but when you look at the whole year and you realize that you're not even you know halfway through everything you have to go through, but you are movable a little bit right now. What what is your movement now? What are you able to do?
1: So about the twelve week mark, I was able to take off my back brace, and I was able. I had these braces on my feet that I wore all the time. I was able to take those braces off and I um, was given the okay to start walking with a walker. So I had a walking, I do have a walking boot that I'm still wearing on my right foot. Um, Just because that break, I had surgery on that foot again and then that break was a lot more serious. So they wanted to keep me in a boot to stabilize it. But um, I amazingly was able to stand and with very little pain compared to what I thought it would be. And with a walker, I was able to take steps and to walk. Um, I do have a lot of issues with my balance Um, and with being able to walk normal. So I'm very slow and I'm unable because of the paralysis to my feet. Not only the paralysis, but having your feet be stuck in a 90-degree angle for three months. <sighs> your bones don't want to move, and and they were broken as well. And the surgeries and the scar tissue and your muscles atrophying, you know, everything's really stiff. So I walk very slow and kind of different, but I'm so grateful I am able to walk. And I started... Right physical therapy again, I go four times a week, and we're just working on strengthening my muscles, getting my muscles to move, and getting those bones to move, and so, yeah, I, after probably a few days of the walker, my physical therapist said, you know, I think you can walk without the walker, so I started walking without the walker, and I do have moments where I'm not, I kind of am wobbly. But for the most part, I'm pretty stable Um, as long as I can kind of hold on to something, especially in the beginning. If I would hold on to something, I was fine. But every day I've gotten stronger. And now it's been a month since I've started walking. And I do still have some issues with balance, but I have gotten so much better. And I'm more stable I'm able to walk for longer distances, and I'm able to stand for longer. You know, in the beginning, it was like baby steps. I walk a little bit at home, and I maybe stood for a few minutes, and then my heels would start to hurt, and my feet would hurt, and I would sit back down. And then each day, it would be like a little bit longer and a little bit longer.
0: Amazing. So so I am able to kind of
1: get around right now, which which is a huge blessing.
0: Right. Now do they think that the paralysis that you have, that you talked about the paralysis in your saddle area, do they think that that's something that will come back or are they pretty sure that the numbness that you're feeling is is permanent?
1: They do not know. They told okay. me that give it a year to a year and a half
0: and okay.
1: that if, if around that point I whatever has come back or has been healed, that is probably how I would be forever. I wouldn't, after a year, year and a half, they said, you probably won't regain any more function that you haven't already. Okay. So I am still hopeful that things can get better. Right. Um, you know, that, that this, that this, I, you know, I can still have some time for those nerves to heal and to kind of, I say, tr- come back on. I'm like, turn back on. You know, let me have yeah. that feeling again. But, wow. um, you know, I've met with a lot. I have a lot of doctors I see and a lot of specialists. And, you know, I, I've already been looking down the road at other options of, you know, ways I can live my life and be happy and be functional. And so, right. you know, I, I feel like we're just still kind of waiting. We're just waiting to
0: see um, what exactly what happens in the next few months. Right. Now, what, so your, um, your three oldest children are in school, but you still have a little three-year-old. Um, yes. how, how is that going? Who, who's taking care of the baby? My parents still
1: live with us.
0: Um, oh, that's so I'm good.
1: able to do more because I'm able to walk now. Before, when oh. I was in the wheelchair, I could only go upstairs every other day, and I had to crawl upstairs. Um, And then once I crawled up the stairs, my dad would bring the wheelchair upstairs. I would crawl into my wheelchair, wheel around for a little bit, and then I would crawl back downstairs, and my dad would take my wheelchair back downstairs. Now I'm able to walk up and down the stairs. So I can kind of, you know, when I couldn't get upstairs, I couldn't be left alone with my son because if he were to go upstairs or to get hurt or get into something he wasn't supposed to, I couldn't do anything about it. I couldn't get up there to help him. So now I feel a little bit more comfortable because I can walk up the stairs. You know, I just go very slowly, and I have to hold on to the railing. But, you know, I can get up and down.
0: Right. Just not quickly. Actually,
1: yes, not quickly. My parents are leaving (laughs) Friday, so they will not be with us anymore. They are leaving for the Philippines for 18 months. And oh, my gosh. So it's going to be me home with kids.
0: Whoa, Friday is D-Day. <laughs> that's that's going to yes. be. Well, and that Christmas break is coming up, so that'll be good. Your 10-year-old will be able to help a little bit. But, uh, yes. ooh, that must my be scary. Gonna, that is a scary thinking, yeah.
1: It is. My husband is going to take some time off work over the, over the Christmas break. But I do have so many people in the ward, including your daughter, who... Have told me they're willing to help with my kids, help with cleaning, Absolutely. help with just day to day things that I need to get done at my house. I did just last week. I was given the okay to start driving. I had not driven in three and a half months. And I How? don't have, you know, I still have some issues, but they said if you take your boot off and you put a shoe on. So of course I didn't, I started in a parking lot and I thought, let's make sure I can drive safely. So this right. was a big deal for my independence. Like my parents can't, couldn't leave until I could drive because my dad has basically been my chauffeur who has driven me oh, around. Yeah. To, I have appointments weekly and physical therapy weekly. And, and so I needed to be able to drive myself around before they could leave. And so this has been a huge thing. And each time I've driven, I've gotten stronger and stronger. And now I've driven short distances to and from my Physical therapy and it's going fine. I finally feel like I'm back to normal with that. I can drive wow, normally. That's so good. So that's a huge accomplishment—is being able to drive again. My right, kids think right. it's so funny that I can drive again. They're very excited. Uh, they're can all drive sitting them
0: with around. like five seat belts on and crash helmets, yes. and they're like, "Yeah, sure, mom, get behind the wheel, no problem." Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. yes. Oh, that's funny. Well, yeah. talk a little bit about um, you know, as when people have some kind of tragedy in their family, um, and they they they'll they'll say you know I just wasn't. You hear it all the time. Be grateful. Your life can change in an instant. But I think we listen to it. It's almost like I remember reading an article about how. A lot of times, uh, they'll they'll drag in these crashed-up cars into high school for their assembly, and they'll show this, the kids the tragic things that can happen, either driving drunk or texting while driving, and they'll tell the stories, and, and it doesn't do any good. The kids, they just don't get it. They don't think that that's ever going to happen to them, and so... Oftentimes, when we, even as adults, even though our brains are fully functioning, supposedly, you know, we hear the same thing. Be sure and tell your loved ones you love them before they leave and be grateful for every day because you don't know what can happen tomorrow. And we hear that, but I don't know if we ever really believe it, you know. Um, So how has that kind of made you, has that made you more aware of how your life can be changed in an instant? Um, And and has it changed your thought process at all, or how has that affected you? I have truly been changed
1: in that regard.
0: My thought
1: process, my um, thinking about things has really changed on a couple different aspects. First, my I think completely different about disabled people, any disabled person, but especially those that are in a wheelchair. When you're wheeling yourself around and you're in an uneven surface, or there's a a crack, or a a, a ledge, or a ridge, to get yourself over those safely is very difficult, and to maneuver around is very difficult. I saw very many shops and places that didn't have wheelchair accessible, so I couldn't get into it, even if I wanted to, restaurants, and then just parking, you know, parking somewhere and being able to get in, and My aspect of that has completely changed. So that that was one thing that I feel like I'm much more empathetic towards anybody with a disability. You just need to know what somebody is going through in their life or what Mm -hmm. has happened to them. Um, And then I also just think that I didn't think this would ever happen to me. It took me, I mean, I was just in disbelief that this was really happening to me. You know, I had my life planned out and things to do and what we were going to do the next days and weeks and months. And this kind of turned everything upside down. And so I do think you can never fully prepare yourself for a tragedy, you know, because you don't know what that tragedy will be. But I feel like there's some things you can do to to be ready. Like I, you know, I have those good relationships with my children, with my family, um, I have a good support system of people that were ready and willing to kind of step in and help. Um, you know, I I have a, a good relationship with my heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, and I have that faith, that base of You know, putting my life into their hands and trusting that this trial was going to be ultimately good for me. And I can say honestly, would I want to go through this again and start over? No. But I can look back over the past four months and see how much I've changed and how much I've been strengthened. And that couldn't and wouldn't have happened unless I would have gone through this trial Exactly. We need to go through trials in order to learn. You know, I don't think exactly. I could be as empathetic towards somebody who is paralyzed or who is in a wheelchair unless I had been through that.
0: You know, it's, right. it's hard exactly to
1: really it's hard to understand people's trials unless you've gone through it. And so as hard yep. as trials are, we need them because that's how we learn and we grow.
0: Exactly. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. And I'm, I cannot agree with you more. And it doesn't have to be exactly. Um, it can be something as simple as, um, having the flu and being down yeah. in bed for a week and making you think, wow, I took my health for granted. Um, I, now when I hear someone has cancer or some kind of a, uh, you know, something that they've, they've, you know, that they're very, very ill for a long time, you your your feelings totally change, and you empathize deeper in a in a deeper fashion than you would have you know before. I think it's easy to go, oh that's too bad. Well, I hope you feel better. And you really and you mean it, not that you're being flip or anything. Yeah. You really do mean it. But there's not that deep deep empathy that you feel in your gut, um, and it takes going through some kind of trial yourself to honestly have that deep emotion. Um, it's, it's amazing. And, and it's something that even people who have gone through struggles, they even have to be reminded a couple of years down the road when things get better. Yes, and you, you, you know, you hear that all the time. You forget. You really do forget. Uh, Megan, let's take a little break. We're going to just take a little break and then we'll come back. I'm talking with Megan McKee and she is talking about the horrendous thing that she's been going through for the last four months. So let's take a little break and then we'll close up when we come back. If you're looking for world-class website hosting at a fair price, Pair Networks is your best choice. Whether you're a professional web designer or a beginner just getting your site online, Pair Networks has a web hosting plan that's right for you. Log on and learn more at pair.com. That's P-A-I-R A-I-R.com. Pair Networks, world-class web hosting at a fair price. Visit us at pair.com. Pair Networks. If you want to
1: register your own .com and are looking for a responsible, sustainable, high-quality domain name registrar, then look at Parnic.com. That's P-A-I-R-N-I-C.com. Pernic includes a ton of value-added services like a parking page, whois, privacy, dynamic DNS, and much more with every domain name registration at no extra cost. So give Parnic.com a try today. P-A-I-R-N-I-C.
0: Now, back to Renee Steelman for more Heaven Sent and Bent on TalkZone.com. Thanks for coming back. My guest today is Megan McKee, and she is a young mom, 31 years old, four beautiful children, ages 10 to 3, busy, busy mom who had an accident back in August and uh, broke her back at a couple of places, broke her sternum, broke both her ankles, both her feet. And she's just going through the recovery process, and she's been able to, you know, get back up on her feet as damaged as they are, and get a little bit more mobility. But Megan and I have just been talking about what it how it changes your life when you go through trials. And Megan, you know, we were talking before we went to the break about how important it is for people to have to physically go through, Something, whatever it may be, because it really is the only way that we learn. You can, we can watch movies, we can hear stories, we can, you know, see people who are physically uh, disabled in some way, and it does not affect you in that deep soul way as when you've gone through something yourself. And and you know, not everyone is affected positively when they go through trials. A lot of people go through trials, and it makes them bitter. And it makes them angry, and they don't learn the lesson. And it is something, and Megan, you expressed it in the very beginning. I think it's a fallacy, and I think it creates a lot of guilt to not think that you're going to have bad days. I think it's okay to have bad days. I think it's okay to cry. I think it's okay to say, I don't want to do this anymore. I hate this. This is not how I had my life planned out but the important thing is where you go to after you have those thoughts where you start to realize wait a minute i've got a you know wonderful family i've had a lot of support from my community i've got i'm going to learn a lot of things from this and i am back up on my feet so it is so important that we remember and 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 we do count our blessings and remember that really i think when people talk about learning from your trials I think exactly what you said Megan was it's not so much that we hit bottom and we become a better person but I think the trials give us that empathy and that love that we need to have for our fellow brothers and sisters. Yes I would agree. It's um, it's you know and exactly what you said my my daughters and I were talking yesterday and I I told them this story it's funny that you would mention this but with my son in a wheelchair Park the parking is a huge issue for me and 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 it's one of those things that I need to really get over because it can it can change my day. If I have a day where I've spent half my time looking for a parking spot uh, and I'm not able to get in and do the things I need to get done, I get really angry and frustrated you yeah. know and so uh, the other day, I had I was just kind of having to kill some time, and so I thought, well, I'll run into this little store. And exactly what you said, it's Christmas time, so the aisles are packed, and the store shelves are just packed with things. And wheeling him in and through these stores was insane. I don't even, people weren't even able to get a shopping cart down the aisle, let alone a wheelchair and a shopping cart. And yes. as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, our weather has been a little bit. You know we, we're known for having rain, but this rain is more like Florida rain than Pacific Northwest rain and and people are actually carrying umbrellas, which is not usual for the Pacific Northwest. So you know yeah. it was rainy, it was kind of cold and dark and gray and 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 I was in Oregon and Oregon for some reason, and I, I could be wrong, but I feel like Oregon has a little bit better handle on the handicapped parking. They have a lot of spaces that are actually labeled wheelchair only, which I've never seen in Washington. no I could be wrong but um yeah. so i found this beautiful parking spot that said wheelchair only and, and and next to the parking spot was a very wide glorious ramp where you could i could open up his door let the ramp down i had enough space to turn him around and get him out of the car it was glorious so we went inside the store and then i soon found out that, like I mentioned, the store was crazy. It was packed with junk as well as people. And so we were in there for just a short amount of time, and then we came back out. And as I got nearer to my car, my brain was thinking, I'm I'm so confused. Why is there a car parked right next to my car? And when I got close enough, I realized that somebody had actually parked in that striped zone, which is Uh... there to let, you know. And I just lost it. And I went up to the... And fortunately, the lady was still in the car. So I banged down the window. And I said, move your car, you know. And she was scared. I scared her to death. And she was like, what are you talking about? And I said, you're parked in a handicapped spot. Get out. You know, I was very angry. It was pouring down rain. My son's getting wet, you know, as he's sitting in his wheelchair. But as I got him, she moved her car. And I'm sure when she pulled her car out, she saw my son in his wheelchair And then I got him in the car, and as I went around the car to get myself in, I heard her yell, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize what what I had done. And I shut the door, and my feelings changed. And I thought to myself, you know, I bet these people don't realize when they're parking in these spots that say van only or wheelchair accessible only, they don't realize what they're doing. And yeah. I had a little bit of a change of heart where I thought, you know, that young girl, honestly, she probably just saw a parking space, didn't even see the stripes. Um, yeah. So uh, hopefully I can hang on to that feeling a little bit longer, you know, until my next shopping expedition when I can't find a place to park. But, you know, tell the listeners what you were doing. I mean, obviously you were an active person before you had this fall. What are, what are some of the things that you are used to being able to do?
1: Oh, I yes, I'm a very busy mom. You know, I, I'm used to cleaning my house top to bottom. And um, I'm used to making dinners and all their meals, the kids' lunches and getting them ready in the morning. I'm used to driving around to different appointments, shopping, doing all the grocery shopping. And um, you know, day-to-day life. And I've really been unable to do any of that and especially in the beginning, and now I'm slowly able to do a little bit of cleaning, a little bit of cooking, but it's all changed. You know, I don't have the stamina to kind of go, go, go like I used to. So now things right. fire me out, or I get I have pain if I stand for too long, um, and I have to sit down. So, you know, beforehand, I was a pretty active person. My family, we left to go on hikes on the weekends, or you know, take my kids ice skating this time of year or go bowling or, you know, just do all of those wonderful things. And now, you know, we either don't do it or my husband takes my children and I don't get to go experience that fun family bonding time. Oh,
0: that's hard. Yeah, that's so So hard.
1: things have just kind of changed. You know, we're finding other things we can do as a family, but things have definitely changed.
0: Right, and it sounds like your husband, um, your husband traveled with his job. Yes, he
1: did. He traveled um, twice a twice a week every month before my accident, and now since my accident, he's only been on two trips. Um, And thankfully, my parents were here to help me while he was gone. But um, his his job has let him slow down on traveling, and have been really understanding. And so I'm hoping that will continue because I can't
0: imagine not having him here once my parents are gone. (laughs) Right. But before uh, that, I mean, before you had your accident, he was gone twice a week. You were used to being both mom and dad and chauffeur and everything. You had to do it on your own. Oh, yeah. We did soccer practice, piano
1: practice, pick up from school, drop off school. You know, run errands, play dates, oh yeah, everything. Church church activities and, and responsibilities. And so I did. I would have, you know, a week where he would be gone twice a month and I would kind of be the sole parent, kinda of taking charge. Right. So right. And now I'm not I'm not able to do that yet. I still right. see, I think they told they kept telling me you know, be patient. You you really need to give it a year, a year to year and a half. And I will say out of everything I have learned, patience. Patience yep. has been my motto because when I'm struggling or I want something cleaned or I want something done and I can't do it the way I want it done or at that moment I'm just patient or I want to be healed or I want, you know, just something. I just patience, patience, patience has been my new
0: motto and I've learned so much That's and that you know and I think it, it makes you feel like you're ungrateful but I can imagine with someone as as capable and as busy as you were even having the lovely, Help that people have offered you and have given to you it has to be hard, like you say someone comes in and does something and they 're putting things in the wrong spot and they 're fixing something different than you would fix and and you 're just yeah. kind of sitting there thinking, yeah, I got to get up and move that a little bit to the left or whatever and and yeah. you know, it sounds you know that like you 're ungrateful, but that 's just because you're you're used to running your ship, and that 's the way your ship ran and and um so patience is an amazing thing that you certainly do learn, for sure.
1: Yes, that is definitely, you know, been a strength and something that I've learned. And I I just continue to try to, you know, tell myself, you know, give myself a year, a year to heal and to really let me have this time of, you know, we might not do Christmas the way we've always done it, where I've, cooking and baking and, you know, the house is fully decorated and, you know, we're just go, go, go. This year, Halloween and Thanksgiving and Christmas have been a little bit more low-key, a little bit more let's focus on what's really important and kind of all the extra fluff kind of goes away because I'm unable, you know, to do it all. And so in some ways it's made it a sweeter holiday because, I am so grateful to be with my family, to be home, to not be in the hospital. And so, you know, it's kind of put into focus things,
0: what matters most. Exactly. And, Megan, that's a, a beautiful way to end our show because it's exactly what we need sometimes to remember, why we gather together as a family, why we celebrate this holiday um, you know, it's all about being a better person. I remember last year, my friend was with was Jewish, and part of the Hanukkah was. I remember her telling me how they would uh, you would call members of the family that you had had disagreements with during the year, and you would apologize and you would make amends, and that was part of the Hanukkah celebration. And I remember when I heard that, thinking, I love that 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 starting mm-hmm. that new year. Was not about setting a, you know, I'm going to lose 10 pounds or I'm going to take this college course. It was about mending your relationships with the people that are really important to you. And, and so as you say, the decorations and the Christmas tree and all of those things are, are not what's important. But, you know, this, as much as you are not, you think you're not able to be there for your children, this is going to change their lives in such a positive way that they have to be there for you and how it brings the family i'm going to cry and how it brings the family together but it will turn into be such a a wonderful experience for your whole entire family and and in a way someday someday you will look back and say it's hard but it was we were blessed in some way and and um and thank you for sharing that story with us and i think what a great way to you know end, end our, our shows for the year. You're my last guest for the year. And and uh, I just couldn't think of anybody more that I wanted to talk to, what you've gone through and their attitude and and uh, what your family has gone through. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that with us today.
1: Well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity.
0: Okay. Bye-bye and have a great Christmas. Bye. Thank you. You too. Okay. Thank you all for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed Megan's story and I, and I really hope that you will remember that not, you know, don't wait for something catastrophic to happen to your family to remember what what the purpose of gathering together is. It's it's not so much about the gifts or or about the decorations. It truly is about being together and and mending any any, you know, fences that need to be mended with your family or any kind of relationship and, you know, make your New Year's resolutions about having a great close relationship with the people that are truly important and I remember someone saying one time that you know you want to live your life so that the people that are at your funeral are the people that are supposed to be there and not the people that are that have to be there because they were your co-workers so you know if that's what you need to to help you with your new year's resolutions take that thought and run with it have a merry Christmas happy holidays to everyone and we'll talk again bye-bye